it's the division series. In this case, it's round two. The Yankees have destroyed the Rays in game one. What about game two? They're starting the kid. We don't know what he's gonna be. And the NLDS is about to begin. Who's gonna win? Let's find out right now. It's Downtown Sports. I am the Mouth of the South, John Schiavone, along with my co-host, the Beast of the East, Jonathan Perriente. This is Downtown Sports. This is where sports come home. And we've got a hard-hitting two-hitter for you today. The Yankees in game one off of a grand slam from Giancarlo Stanton. And holy crap, it happened when the game was on the line. And holy crap, it happened for a second time in a row. A big home run when it's needed. Amazing. Beast. I'm actually happy. I'm wearing my Yankees sweater proud today. Oh, my goodness. You should. You should. What a game that was. What a game. And if you're the Yankees right now, and we talked about this team, and uh, I'm sure most of you heard my rant from a couple days ago, how the Yankees had to attack Tampa's pitching. You get to them early. If their bullpen gives you an opportunity, you have to capitalize. And there we have it. A grand slam by Stanton in the ninth inning. It was a close game at one point. Believe me, I was sweating at work, waiting for that, like hoping the Yankees would, would find a way to win that game. And it, it didn't look good early. We, you know, we get the lead, Rays homer right back. We get the lead back, Rays get two runs right back. We get two runs back. And then the Rays just kept hanging in, back hanging around. Back and forth and back and yeah. forth like a damn seesaw. And you were starting to feel sick because you thought it was going to be like the rest of the year because this was the type of games that the Yankees and the Rays played all year long. Yeah. And Except close games benefit around. Tampa usually. Close games are, are usually what benefit Tampa Bay. Except this time around. The yes. Yankees actually, I don't know, played like their resume. They did. They, they did. played like they're supposed to play, like we were supposed to see it on the paper. We haven't seen this all year long. And you really, and you, you really, you really saw, you really saw in this game why we got Garrett Cole. Now you see why Garrett Cole's signing was a big deal. Yep. I'm not. I'm not saying it wasn't. Big I'm spots. just saying. You had some big spots there where Cole had a pitch out of, particularly the fifth inning. And you saw how important it was having Higashioka behind the plate for this one. You want Garrett Cole as comfortable as possible on that mound. Look, Sanchez with the pass balls with yeah. a pitcher that likes to throw one in the dirt like Cole does. Yeah. There were three moments in that game where your lucky Kyle was there. Did you see the cross up on the curveball? You think Gary would have caught that cross-up? That could have been a pass ball to the backstop tied game. I'm not saying it wouldn't have been. I'm saying it's a lot more likely. So I'm happy with the decision. Now, game two, the yes. Yankees come out with the decision that I'm actually happy with and you're not. A They're little starting the kid in game two. Well, you called that the kid was going to get a start. You did call it the Davy was going to have an appearance. Now, I'm okay with it now because the Yanks are up one nothing. If they were down one game to zero, I would have been really scratching my head at this. No, I'll tell you why. The kid has been good in almost every situation you've put him in. So, if he's been good this whole time, 
it's not as if there's fans in the stands. True. It's not as if playing it now they're in a bubble and they're in a park there with good weather favorable conditions exactly why wouldn't garcia have a good start it's not like he's going outside in yankee stadium and it's 57 degrees and your shoulders cramped up it's not like you're dealing with uh you know a bunch of loud like 50,000 screaming fans either cheering or booing you you're in a warm, sunny place with no fans in literal perfect conditions, almost as if you were throwing a bullpen section, except it's for real. I say, this only, hurt? I say this only because we've seen great pitchers, how great they are in the regular season, but then when the postseason comes, they don't pitch the same way. The rules are different now. Everything's changed. We don't know how postseason works anymore in the major leagues because the biggest element to postseason baseball was the fans in the stands, their reactions, their emotion, driving the emotions of said players. If you were down by a run and you were in an enemy park and those fans were going nuts, do you know how that weighs on you emotionally? Fans are no, the moments now. are still tense. The, there were tense moments in these playoffs already. We haven't barely even scratched the surface with them. Fans are no, there have been tense moments in these playoffs, and I've, of course, I've been excited for every minute of it. I'm not saying that there haven't been. I'm just saying I don't see how Danny Garcia could Maybe. is really going to have that level of angst. It's not as if this is his first postseason start in front of a 50,000-person crowd booing every pitch he throws. This is relatively easier considering the situation. So I really don't see why Garcia can't go out there and throw six innings, 90 pitches, give up two runs. I hope he has a great be start. out of there in the seventh. I hope this kid has a great start. I want to see him deliver out there. I really do. This did, you know, but you know, I'm but just what saying, makes you think he won't? What, when has he nerve. not done it? You know, cause he's, well, for one, he's never been in a playoff yet. You're asking a 21 year old kid who's never been in a playoff. It's a, it's a big stage. Can he handle it? You sound it? like a Met fan. <laughs> I'm always a little nervous, when, particularly when you're playing a guy for the first time. It's, it's not been okay. Here. Don't know. The kid is good. If you would have started Hap, he would have given up five runs. By the way, he's backing the kid up. So you might not even see the kid for the whole game. He might get four innings. Hap might get four innings. And then you throw, and maybe that's the formula. Well, the good news is you have Chapman for – you didn't have to use Chapman last night, so you have Chapman ready for this one if you need him. So that's good. Hey, I am, he, there's no reason that the kid has to see the lineup more than once. If you really well, want it that way, there's no reason the kid has to see the lineup more than I, once. I'm, gonna I'm be sure very half curious. is ready. I'm very curious how Boone is going to do this with Garcia. I, I've seen him go seven innings. I'm not saying he can't go seven. I would love him to go as deep as he can. You save a few arms in that pen because there's no days off. And you save half. There are no days off between games. I'm going to make, you know, just so we all know that. There's no, okay, we're going to play two games and you have a day off, then it shifts to a home series. No, they're nope. playing them straight through. So how you manage the bullpen, how you manage the pitching staff is going to be a very big sign. And you see why Garrett Cole last night only threw 97 pitches in six innings. Because he needs to, to be ready for game five on three days rest. Yeah. yeah. Now, it makes sense now that he moved Tanaka to game three. It makes sense. If we go up 2-0, Tanaka's right there to close the series if we go up 2-0 tonight. 
great. I have no problem with that decision. I think Tanaka's there because if you're 1-1 or if you were 0-2, because they decided to start the kid. So if you were 0-2, Tanaka's the bridge. Tanaka's the stopper. Tanaka's the one that's going to stop the bleeding. So that's why they put him in game two. But here's the thing. I don't see the Yankees losing this series if all of their bats are working. Now, you could pitch great performances against them, but if all of their bats are working, one of them is going to hit a home run at a critical point. Somebody's going to get on a base. Right now, remember that phrase, stardust, that Steve Summers used years back on our radio show before we did this podcast? The stardust. I think the star, I think the fairy just flew over the Yankees a little bit and started sprinkling. Although that fairy's also over the Houston Astros sprinkling a little, a little bit here and there too, along with the Padres as well. So well, I think that, there's a few fairies out there with some stardust. So well, speaking of that, let's go, let's go to those other series. Cause I think, uh, you know, we're seeing some really good history with the rest of these series. The Padres had not won a playoff series since 1998. Yep. Braves have not won a, a, a playoff series since 2001. And, now and the Marlins have never lost a playoff series. In lost. fact, I don't even think they have a double-digit loss record in the postseason. Which is only their third appearance for the Marlins. In the third appearance. Third. And I think they've only lost a total of, what, eight or nine games in this postseason? Roughly. Roughly. The Yankees took them to only, uh, what, six games, right? Yes, they lost in six in 2003. And yeah. then in uh, 97, they took they the World the Series. I think that went games? seven. I think that went seven. Yeah, so four, five, six, seven, and they put, and the Marlins did really well throughout. Going. They had to come back. Remember, they had to come back to beat the Cubs when they were down like two, I think three, one in the series. They had to come back to beat the Cubs from. Yeah, that's up. true. So three, six, seven. Mm-hmm. They had at least about. I think they had at least ten or eleven. I have to check their postseason record, but yeah, but roughly, a um, team with only ten or eleven losses in the postseason in three appearances is un, is that's historically great. The Marlins have that magic about them when they they never get into the postseason, but when they get in, they make runs, and when they make runs, they win titles. So, I mean, especially after ever how Miami has been and is currently being ravaged with COVID, that would be a good thing. Well, the Marlins are yes. The Marlins are a perfect six and zero in postseason series. Six and zero. Unreal. All in in the. So let's go been, through the NLDS series number yeah. one. The Braves and Marlins. That game uh, should be going on right about now. Two o'clock was the start of the Braves Marlins game. It's Max Fried against Sandy Alcantara. Very I exciting mean, matchup there. You give the you give the pitching advantage to Atlanta. You give the hitting advantage to Atlanta. I mean, on paper, Atlanta should be. Marlins didn't beat Atlanta all year. The Marlins didn't beat Atlanta all year. The playoffs are a different story. Yeah. Well, just like we thought, Yank Rays had won eight out of ten from the Yanks. Look what the Yankees did to them last night. So at this point, throw it away. I mean, throw the regular season away, away, because the Braves are fully healthy again. Freed is back. Um, Still don't have Soroka, though. I still think no Soroka is going to hurt Atlanta. That's but, oh, by the way, I got the, oh, I got the score right now. It's 4-3 Marlins in the third inning. 4-3 Marlins in the third inning. They got so. to freed early. They got to freed early and often, actually. Hmm. So, the Marlins we'll, are no joke. The no, they're not. No joke, Look, Derek Jeter is not stupid. I mean <laughs> – I mean, this should show you that Derek Jeter has done a great job in a couple in the couple of years that he's been the. Um, I'm not going to say owner because he's the minority owner, but the controlling owner, I guess you want to call it. Yeah. The controlling interest in the Marlins, 
look at what they've done and look at where they are. And then let's look at the uh, now let's look at the other couple of series. Let's look at the well, Houston, Oakland. Houston's up one zero. There were a lot of questions about again the cheating, et cetera, et cetera. And well, Houston shut a lot of people up. Ten runs. The Astros are the Astros. Carlos I mean, Correa, two home runs. Bregman homered again. Garbage cans and buzzers are no garbage cans and buzzers. That team is still good. The only problem is they're not as strong pitching wise. Now think of it as literally Garrett Cole is that was that balancing act that balance. No, Verlander really hurts them. They're going to feel the impact of not having Verlander down the road, especially against the Yankees. If they make it, if the Yankee, if the Yankees uh, go against the uh, Astros, if I don't know how they counter, I don't know how they counter Tanaka. I don't know how they counter Cole Tanaka. I'll tell you, Garrett Cole is going to know everything there is to know about pitching to Houston because he played for them. He knows their hitters' weaknesses. And he also knows what. And he also knows where they hide the buzzers on the uniform, mm-hmm. so he can throw it right at the buzzer, break it, and then you know we'll, we'll get on with the series. Then. All right, now let's go to the last matchup, and that is the Dodgers and the Padres. Shane's Dodgers. I'm very curious to see where this series will go. Walker Bueller will pitch Game One against Mike Clevenger. So Mike Clevenger is back. He's pitching this series. I like this matchup. This is a very, very good matchup between these two very experienced teams in the West. The Padres really opened up a lot of eyes with their offense. Fernando Tatis Jr. is basically the heartbeat of this offense. And Manny Machado is worth every penny. And I think Yankee fans are watching him right now saying to themselves, why? Why did we let him go? Why did we not go after him? Yeah. Truthfully. Not saying... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. He didn't run the first base hard enough. No, you had questions. Look, Yankees have Glaber Torres. They have Urshel at third base. So it kind of seems like a moot point now. You know what? Uh, Machado would have been your shortstop. You move Glaber to second base and keep him there permanently because he doesn't really know how to work a shortstop. And you have LeMahieu, who's an automatic hit machine. And I could, and I would find wonderful trade partners for both Luke Voigt and Ford, and Lemayu would be my first baseman forever. Luke Voigt has been the greatest find the Yankees have had in years, along with Urshela, because they didn't even know what Urshela was going to be. Yeah, could you imagine the starting pitching they could have gotten? They could get for Luke Voigt. They would have all they would have had to do is sign Manny Machado. Well. The point of the matter is that's not the case here. And remember, Machado played for the Dodgers at one point. Don't forget that. He was a Dodger before he even became a Padre. Yep. So it's kind of very interesting how this is all kind of playing out. Yeah. Uh, Machado is playing. He's earning every cent of that contract he got. He should have been the one to be paid $330 million, not Bryce. The key is Um, the Padres as a team are healthy this year. That's the big key here. You have Hosmer. Tatis Jr. is blocking. And you have Machado all in the lineup together. That makes the Padres very deep and very dangerous. Now, However, I'm not calling the series for the Padres. A, they're young. Um, B, the Dodgers. I'm sorry I've made fun of them because my engineer is a Dodgers fan. My statistician is a Dodgers fan. So every top 10 list that I've received has had this Dodger blue stamp on the top of it that has been annoying the hell out of me all year long. But the Dodgers have done exactly what they are supposed to do they went through the regular season like a hot knife through butter 
And then they swept the hell out of their first playoff series. And now they're looking to do the same to San Diego. And I'll tell you the truth. If the Dodgers get off to a dominant start in game one, that's going to make the Padres feel that little brother syndrome that they've been feeling in the West for years. And the Dodgers, it's not just the San Francisco Giants. San Francisco Giants are the middle brother of California. Now they're up against big brother. Dodgers have not won a World Series since 1988. It's been 30-plus years since they've won a title. When was the last time the Padres beat the Dodgers in a playoff series? Uh, We're going back years here. I mean, remember when the Padres went to the World Series in 1998? Mm -hmm. Remember, 98 was the last time they won a playoff series. Don't forget that. That was the last time the the Padres ever got even up to this stage in a playoff yet. So – Let's go back a little bit, and we, we can probably look back at some of those uh, numbers, to say the least. All right, here we go. They have never played the Dodgers in a, in, a, in a playoff series. Can you believe that? Never. So. Never. This is the first time we will see baby brother versus big brother in California. This is the Padres organization's first chance to actually get at the Los Angeles Dodgers, the dominant team in the state. And remember, San Diego is not that far from L.A. We're only talking about two hours. So this is a major battle of Southern California. I thought Giants-Dodgers was a major battle. Every time I went to Dodgers or Giants games and Dodger fans were there, I mean, you would hear it in the stands from from either side. They do not like each other when it's L.A.-San Fran. And I'll tell you something. I don't know if it's going to be that way – when fans come back around, but I was at a Padres game with the Dodgers there. I was at a Padres game where they played the Dodgers. How was that? Well, well, that was when the Padres were not good, but you definitely, you heard that the presence of Dodger fans were there. You heard the Dodger fans. You heard the Padres fans. Oh my goodness. They were each other. other? Oh yeah. They would go each other like cat and dog. So now imagine uh, many, Dodgers Padres games growing up. Shane, go for it. Tell me the vibe. There, there really was no vibe because the Padres could never amount to anything the Dodgers were. I mean, Tony Gwynn, that those years were good for them, but I was too young for that. But okay, growing so, up, they they haven't had a but, solid squad. This is this is the Padres are in a position to become the new division rival for the Dodgers because the Giants have absolutely crapped themselves. Yeah, that's true. And I think this is this could be the beginning of a new rivalry. Well, it's and a good rivalry. A good rivalry is. that baseball needs. And I and let me tell you something. I know people in San Diego. Padre fans love their team. They just haven't had a chance to really get behind them yet. So that's gonna be a rivalry, the beginning of a very big rivalry. And I think LA, their window is shortening. On that note, let's take a little break. When we come back, we discuss the NFL. Crazy things going on just a quarter of the way into the NFL season. Why does Gay still have a job? And why is Daniel Jones still throwing picks when he has open freaking running lanes? Well, we'll find out. Back after this.
And we're back to Downtown Sports. I'm Jonathan Tariente, the Beast of the East, alongside my broadcast man and co-host, the Mouth of the South, John Schiavone, our man Shane Sullivan. John, where can they hear us on our Downtown Sports podcast? They can hear us on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and Bullhorn. Ten different platforms every Tuesday, Wednesday, interviews, rants, episodes, anything that you need, we got. Because we're downtown sports, and we are where sports come home. And we're going to start off the second part of this two-hitter, and, and I got a question, Beast. Please, let me hear it. Lay it on for me. You. Let me lay it on me. You, you, you said something last week. Uh, this has already come out. If the Jets lose to Denver, Gase is fired. Oh, good. Good. Get him That's out of what here. I Gase will be fired. Who's the already, for Denver? The Jets are already aggressively looking for a new co- for coaches in college and the professional level. They're looking for someone as we speak. Who's starting in Denver right now? That's the big question. Oh, yeah. Brett Rippon. Back up. Uh, Drew Locke is hurt. No Drew Locke. May God heap the skill of 10 Terry Bradshaws upon you because we need you right now. We need you to make the Jets so and four because Adam Gaze cannot be here another week. Beast? Why is he here? Well, because, you know, now the Johnsons have changed their mind. All of a sudden, we're going to keep Adam Gaze to the end of the season. Uh, it's not fair to fire a coach in season, which is something the Johnsons never do. I, I know, but... He's been crap all year! And last year! He's been... Why is he still here? I thought they were actively looking. I thought they were actively looking for another person. So did I. But, you know, this why? is the Johnsons for you. This is them in a nutshell. They're They'll not say, gonna... oh, yeah, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. The Johnsons have never cared about winning on this franchise since the day they took ownership of this team. Just yeah, like, uh, you know, just like Woody Johnson isn't a racist. Right. Yeah, he didn't say that racist stuff. With- he no. didn't say that racist stuff, don't you know? Right. Yeah. yeah um, don't even get me started with Woody. I don't even want to get started with Chris Johnson. But do you I don't want to get started with Chris Johnson right but now. But do you know what? I'm Woody just going to – because I got, a quarter, I got another quarterback to get to. I'm just going to wrap this up in a nice little bow. It almost doesn't matter if Adam Gaze is the head coach now, if he gets fired now, if he gets fired at the end of the year at this point. It really just occurred to me. The Johnsons are still in charge. They're still the ones yeah. making the hires. So guess who they're going to hire? Who do you think they're going to hire if Adam Gase were to leave? You think they'll, you think they'll Billy hire O'Brien. a – You think they're going to hire Billy Boy O'Brien? Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, and you know what's going to happen? Brian's going to run the whole team as the general manager, and then he'll just – he'll fire – he'll fire Joe oh, Douglas no, for but, all we know, uh, but right? Joe Douglas there. The Jets never seem to get this right. The Johnsons always have this problem. They're always switching coach, general manager, coach, general manager, and they're always firing the GM before they fire the coach, and then they fire the coach before they fire the GM. Never do we see an administration come in at the same time. So Adam Gaze comes along as hired by McCagnin. McCagney then gets fired. Adam Gaze somehow gets the power to make a trade. And then Joe Douglas gets hired as the general manager. So, of course, Billy O'Brien would be hired as the next Jet head coach if uh, you guys 
fired anyone week four. The Jets, maybe the Jets will fire him week five and just pick up Billy. Maybe that's what's going to happen. I don't know, honestly. I don't honestly know right now if I should put the Johnsons as the worst NFL owners in all of football right now. Well, when I put them as the worst owners, I mean, you have. I mean, I don't know. What are, uh, let, uh, I want to throw some names out. Okay. What is happening in the Falcons camp? How's, how's, uh, how's Blank doing with, with the Falcons right now? How have how the Falcons been over the last couple of years? Have they know. been the same team losing that Super Bowl? Nope. And they keep that Dreadful. Uh, how What's Jacksonville this? doing? How are the cons handling Jacksonville? I'm going to ask a question. How are the, how's the Maras handling the Giants? Because that oh, might be Wellington. the only worst. That might be the one thing that's actually worse. Daniel Jones. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel! You had 10 yards in front of you, Daniel! You had 10 yards in front of you, Daniel. You had 10 damn yards. You could have walked. You could have skipped. You could have moseyed anything other than throw that stupid pick into double coverage. The turnovers have to stop. They are becoming Mark Sanchez comical. Jones. What's going to be next? Maybe he'll run into the rear of his lineman. Maybe he'll run into his rear. Blessing every single damn week. You signed Devontae Freeman to replace Uh, uh, Saquon. That doesn't help. The O-line still don't block well. The offense is looking worse and worse and worse. The O-line is his problem. The O-line can't block. The O-line can't defend. What what are you supposed to do if you're Daniel Jones, right? I don't know. Slide. Run when you have 10 yards in front of you. Make a decision that doesn't involve throwing into double coverage every other play. You know what? And I'm so – look, I was – Heaping praise on the first two weeks because I saw plays that made me think, great. You know what? We got the guy. Now, the Giants are the number one draft pick. They are number one in the NFL for the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. And good God, I hope we win because Daniel Jones – Every week, he's looking more rattled. Every week, he's losing the intelligence that he started his career with last year. He it's read called he's seeing ghosts. Better. He read defenses better last year behind a worse offensive line, John. He read defenses better last year behind a worse offensive line with worse weapons than he had. But the Giants got Jason Garrett as their offensive coordinator. I thought that was going to be the turning point of the year, right? Jason Garrett, great offensive mind, right? Hmm? The quarterback has to make proper decisions, John. The quarterback doesn't make proper decisions. I'm pretty sure Jason Garrett doesn't go out there and say, hey, Danny, throw it to double coverage. I don't care. No, 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 no. Daniel Jones is playing like he's being coached by Adam Gaze. He's not. I understand why Sam is throwing in a double coverage on fourth and two because Gaze won't let him audible out of a play. I understand why Sam can't do any of that because 
he has the um, dictator totalitarian head coach that won't talk to the media or hold a full practice. The Giants. So are what if like Sam that. just says? So what if Sam just says, "Screw it, Adam. I'm running my play. I don't care what you're calling. I'm going to do this play because I think this play works better." Adam Gates well, might take him off the field. Well, you know, it's sooner or later, something's going to give, something's going to crack, and Sam will have to. Uh, my finally... brain's going to effing crack if we don't stop talking about the two New York disgraces, I guess. Yes. The two New York disgraces, because literally, all in four, and both teams look worse every single week to this top 10. We go. I'm seeing it for the first time. Christopher Delarge has put it up. The Indianapolis Colts take the number 10 position. Yeah, I guess they rightfully belong there. You know, I mean, they did win, beat the Bears. They haven't really beaten a, a, a real good team yet. Nope. They beat the Jets. Okay, we. They beat the Bears. We, they don't score points. I'm not impressed. Not yet. Not at all. Number nine. Philip Rivers is a game manager. The Titans are number nine. That's an interesting one. I'm kind of a little shocked they moved this far down, considering, you know, well, their defense isn't, hasn't been very good yet. And, yeah, Tannehill's making the throws when he has to. Okay. You know, Henry's carrying the offense. Fine. But the Titans playing a very I don't bad see, I don't see the Titans as a number nine team. We had them at number five last week. What happened to push them down? I don't get it. Well, partly Next. because – no, no. The Steelers are number eight. I'm surprised they moved down. Once again, I, they didn't play last week. These two teams are supposed to play. We don't know. I guess that's why they grouped them together. Well, the Steelers were, set, were, the Steelers were down one point from seventh last week. I don't know. We'll see how they look. I ha- we can't analyze them because their games were canceled. Seven. Number seven. This does, not, this does not make sense. Why is Green Bay seven? I don't know. Green Bay's 4-0. and oh, They just blew away the Falcons last night. Well, Aaron Rodgers was the good Falcons. as ever. Probably because it was the Falcons that he blew away. Ever. Maybe that's why Chris put a but, – but the, the, Green Bay just came off beating the team that everybody thought was going to win they the NFC. The Saints. They beat New Orleans. Goodness gracious, they beat New Orleans. Chris, I'm – and then you put this I'm team little, above what? I'm a little shocked at this one. Why okay, the, well, why what is this? Seven? All right, yo, oh, my God. We need to get to this. Why is Tampa on number six? Chris, I Chris? I'm like number waiting. What is this? So Tampa Bay is number six. So let's see his reasoning. Brady um, against the Chargers, five touchdowns. Evans is back. Eh, offense is good. Defense is good. NFC sack leader is still on the Bucks. Bruce Arians coaches him. Todd Bowles coaches their defense. Okay. Yeah, maybe this ain't so crazy. Well, now here's where we get real crazy. Well, the number five. Yeah, number five of the Rams. So well, they barely versus the zero and four Giants. No, let me tell you something. That Giant defense is starting to build itself. This is where you see Joe Judge and his influence. The defense is getting better every week. They're going to their gaps. They're playing assignments. And they're getting big plays at turning points. It's the offense that's letting them down right now. But here's the thing. You got to give credit to the giant defense. You you can't say that the Rams are a bad team. I mean, look, there's three and one. 
they showed you they could score points, especially in that Bills game. They showed you they could score points in the Dallas game. I think you got to give credit to the Giants' defense for playing a great game against L.A. They, they showed up. I, I don't see why they're fifth. It's too, it's too bad, though, the Jalen – it's too bad, though, Jalen Ramsey and then uh, Colton Tate had to go at it after the game. And understandably, it was a family reason. It's, I'm not even going to go into that. Don't, look, you, you, here's what I think. Carl Banks said it. Into a fight at the end. Carl Banks said it best the other day on radio. But the Rams are. Here's you. Carl Banks said it best the other day on radio, right? Meaning in the parking lot. Just literally, if you have that kind of problem, don't, you don't need a crowd. You need to do it in front of the fans. You don't need to do it in front of the TV cameras. You really got an issue like that? Meet on the parking lot. Just, just. Go in the parking lot, beat the crap out of each other, and just be done with it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't bring your personal business into your workplace. That's just unprofessional on both players' parts, Tate and Ramsey. You might see suspensions coming from that. Probably will. Number four, the only New York team that's actually doing anything, the Buffalo Bills. And they're crazy. They're a New York team, and they're the only one that's actually blowing through everybody right now. 4-0. A team all the way up in Western New York. Josh Allen, damn good quarterback. He really is. And Arizona gave up a gem. I mean, I like Kyler Murray, but Arizona gave up a gem. And they 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 just gave up on this kid way too quickly. You're seeing the difference already in how Allen plays to how Murray plays. And, and this I don't get. Seattle being number three. I don't get that. You don't, I don't get, get that. Three. They're, I don't uh, get. It's because of Russell Wilson. Are you kidding me? Russell Wilson. He single-handedly just. Oh no! You misunderstand me, Beast. They're too low on this list. You think they should be higher than three? Why? Yeah, they should be. Uh, Seattle. Kansas City is number one. I don't think uh, not when you have Kansas City there. Well, I could see him being two, not maybe. Not three. Not I could see I them see being two. two, definitely. But I'll tell you the truth. Seattle's look better than Kansas City. Russell Wilson's look better than Mahomes. Seattle's playing better than Kansas City is. Seattle's dominating games. And they're not just dominating well, games. They're dominating see- games against major opponents. I want to see, though, when Seattle and Kansas City go head-to-head. I want to see that matchup soon. That that's gonna that be can really tell us everything. That will tell. Let me, me tell you something though. Seattle, Seattle's playing next level right now. I wouldn't put the Chiefs at one. I would put the Seahawks there. I mean, I understand why the Chiefs are one. They're the Super Bowl champions. Until they're undefeated, they don't get off the top of this list. And they just that. blew. I know it's not fair to say it, but they blew through Belichick's Patriots last night. Started by Brian Hoyer, so. And then Jared Stidham came in. He threw two interceptions more. Not to mention Hoyer fumbled as well. That, that really didn't help things. But that Kansas City defense is actually a little better than I thought it was. Their defense is playing with a little more punch to them now. Well, look, Spagnola is a good defensive coordinator. He always dials up blitzes. Kansas City deserves to be number one on the list. But Seattle's playing better. And I don't know why Baltimore is number two. Did you see Baltimore's weaknesses exposed in the, in the Kansas City game the previous Monday? Um, I see a quarterback that doesn't know how to pocket pass in a blitz. I see a quarterback that doesn't know how to escape a blitz. Even that's funny to me that Lamar Jackson was being that filled up by uh, Spagnuolo's blitz packages. He was confused. He didn't know his left from his right. He didn't know up from down. Maybe he didn't have Spagnuolo confused him. Maybe he felt like he didn't have the confidence he could run against that defense. He had to maybe beat them with his arm. 
maybe that's how he had to approach them. I mean, what other choice did he have? But when you're getting that many blitzes, you would think that the quarterback would know how to run out of them. You would think they'd be running more read option. You'd think that run and shoot offense would really stop a Spagnola run defense. that's actually built to stop blitzing offenses. The difference is Kansas City's linebackers, man, they can move laterally. They could get into running lanes, plug up things that you didn't hold that Mark, before they even Frank had Clark and Hitchens are in there. That defense is so dangerous. And Tyron Matthew, he's a very hard-hitting safety. You are in possession when you – oh, sorry, I think he's cornerback or safety. Whatever position it is, he plays Matthew. I think it's – think it's. But he's always up on the line of scrimmage hitting somebody. When you have Matthew in the secondary, that's just, that's just a bonus. And let me just say this. Players that Steve Spagnola has helped develop include Jason Pierre-Paul, Justin Tuck. Spagnola takes players and puts them in the best position for them to succeed. If he has the tools, he knows how to do the job. And with that, we're going to end downtown sports. But before we do, one thing, just to wrap up this whole Jets thing, Adam Gaze is not going to be fired. They've called it out. They said that they were looking for coaches. They did all this. He's not going anywhere, at least not for this year. And even if he did, I wouldn't trust the Johnsons to make the right decision to hire somebody. And by the way, the other reason that I think Adam Gaze is here, something that we didn't bring up, was the really, really, really poor play by the Jet defense. Greg Williams coaching is not looking all that great on in and of itself. So if you were to get rid of Adam Gaze at this point, the defensive coach is actually performing worse than Gaze is. So you have an entire administration of mediocrity right there in the Jets organization. And I think Joe Douglas needs to cut off everything below himself. Let me read a quick piece. Let me read a quick piece here. It's from uh, Boomer Esiason. Okay. 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 All right. He basically said the point of the matter with uh, the Jets here, with particular defense, they're completely undisciplined. They have Greg Williams mentality. That's the idiocy of we're tougher than they are. We have to play harder than they are. We've got to go faster than they are. It's like the Jerry Glanville way of coaching your team. Totally undisciplined, coming up with all the wrong penalties at all the wrong times. In the words of Boomer Esiason. And like I said last week, whenever for the first 15 plays, they all look great. And then after they all get selled up, Gaze gets confused. And then it's like, uh, just run the same play, but run it harder. Greg Williams, the same thing. It's time to work smart, not hard. But unfortunately, the brains of the operation have less to go around than our current White House. And with that, we end Downtown Sports Beast. Where can they hear us? We are on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and Bullhorn. Ten different platforms every Tuesday, Wednesday with Ransom Live episodes every single week. And as the NFL and baseball seasons and more continue, we will constantly have you updated with updates, stories every week here on Downtown Sports. But for the Mouth of the South, our man Shane Sullivan, I want to thank our statistician for today's top 10, Crystal Large. Our man, Tony Mainville. I'm the Beast of the East, Jonathan Pariente. We're downtown sports, where sports come home.
East of the East saying goodbye. We out. <laughs>